Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy, the show that talks 100% LA Galaxy soccer. We're glad you could join us. Now it's time to sit back and relax as your hosts navigate through the twisting, turning, but never boring world, the five-time MLS Cup champion, LA Galaxy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Guessman, coming to you on... April 26th, a Thursday night, another live show uh, kicking off right now. So, uh, again, if you listen to the podcast and never seen a live show, head on over to our YouTube channel. You can go to Corner of the Galaxy forward slash live to find that. A big week for the LA Galaxy, uh, their last home game before they take three on the road. So, the LA Galaxy will face off against the New York Red Bulls on Saturday, a 7.30 p.m. kickoff time. We are going to be joined later by uh, Seeing Red's Mark Fishkin to help us preview uh, that game. Good friend Mark Fishkin. We've been doing it forever, as I'm sure you'll hear on the uh, on the interview. Absolutely. So we have that, and of course we have injury news coming up for you as well. Uh, so a lot of things going on with the LA Galaxy and a big injury blow that uh, happened this week at training, so we're going to talk about that as well. Uh, should be a, a very interesting game coming up on Saturday. The LA Galaxy facing a, a who I consider to be a, a very equal uh, team in New York Red Bulls. Uh, we've talked a whole bunch and at length about the LA Galaxy not uh, getting wins against the top three teams in the league. New York Red Bulls are not one of those teams. So, uh, again, if they're going to be picking up points, if they're going to be doing stuff, if they're going to start climbing that ladder and beating teams they're supposed to beat, this is one of those games they should beat somebody like the New York Red Bulls. And, uh, so we'll see. And, and New York obviously coming off of a, a game where they didn't play very well. But we have lots of LA Galaxy news as well. So let's start right there as we go. And, of course, your calls are always welcome here on the live show. Uh, 949-734-4217 is the telephone number. Uh, we'd be happy to talk about any of the topics that we're going or your very own topic as well. And I'm sure there'll be some formation talk because... All y'all seem to be uh, obsessing over some formations lately. In, in fact, it's it's ad nauseum about this point. But anyway, we'll take a look at that as well. Zlatan Ibrahimovic in the news, of course, this morning. I don't know if you woke up and looked at your phone and immediately saw that ESPN had reported that Sweden said Zlatan's not coming to Russia, and at least he's not coming to Russia uh, on our team. So Zlatan Ibrahimovic will not be playing for Sweden, and he'd sort of been hinting around that. Uh, wouldn't say that he was playing. You saw him on Jimmy Kimmel um, saying, I'm going to the World Cup. And Jimmy even asked what kind of shoes he had on uh, when he was going. And he was like, listen, I'll be at the World Cup. That's all I can say. So, yes, Slaton will be at the World Cup. He just won't be there playing for Sweden. Uh, he will be there as an ambassador for Visa, it looks like. Um, so that's, again, nothing surprising. You knew that he was certainly going to uh, to come in and have some appearance at that World Cup. You knew he was going He's a face of soccer. You can't have a World Cup without Zlatan, right? I mean, that only makes sense. So you knew he was going to do something. This is what he's going to do. He's going to go there. Now, he says he has his own plane. He can fly it himself. He will be there. I'm sure, I don't know if he actually has a pilot's license, by the way. That's, that may be a little, going a little too far. Too far. Um, but no, he's going to go there. He's going to do his thing. Here's the deal, though, and I see people panicking a little bit. And as I always say, everybody calm down. Breathe a little bit. Maybe a paper bag. Maybe the Galaxy should hand out paper bags at the next game, so that way y'all could just breathe a little bit deeper and have a little bit more fun there. All right. Um, but here is the schedule for the World Cup. Just so that way, you, again, you're aware. The LA Galaxy will play on June 9th. Is their last game before the World Cup break. So June 9th, they host Real Salt Lake. It's a 7.30 p.m. kickoff time on a Saturday. Then... There are not one, not two, not three, not four days, but 20 days off in between uh, their next game. So the next game the Galaxy play is actually on June 30th. So again, June 9th, June 30th, there are 20 days, if you count them, in between there, um, <coughs> excuse me, before the uh, LA Galaxy have to face off against the San Jose Earthquakes. So if Zlatan's going to the World Cup, he has roughly 20 days to get it done and have his fun and then come back. And this is during the group stage of the World Cup, which starts on June 14th. Okay, so there's plenty of time for him to do his thing. Now, if he does decide to stay longer and enter into the round of 16, which starts at the very end of June, June 30th, uh, and goes until July 3rd, he can do that. The LA Galaxy will, of course, play against DC United on July 4th. That would be another game potentially he could miss if he was going to stay a little bit longer. The quarterfinals of the World Cup kick off on June 6th and play on June 7th. 
the LA Galaxy on June 7th would be uh, facing off uh, against the Columbus Crew at StubHub Center. Jossie Sardis has returned to, uh, <coughs> excuse me, to StubHub Center. And I'm warning you now, I'm fighting a, a cough that I will have. Um, this is my normal springtime cough. I think if we go back and listen to the podcast over the years, you can actually check this cough almost every single time in the springtime. So anyway, um, so the, again, 7.30 p.m. kickoff on that Saturday, July 7th game for the quarterfinals. So if he wanted to stay, he could do that. And then the Galaxy play again on July 14th, which is the same day as the third place match, um, because the semifinals get pl- take place on July 10th and 11th. And finally, the final is on July 15th. So the potential for him missing games, if he's going to miss games, which I'm not saying he's going to, is right around four games when you look at it. He's probably not going to go before the uh, LA Galaxy face-off against Real Salt Lake on June 9th. Uh, if he does go, he's probably going to go for the group stage. And here's probably how the Galaxy's training sessions are going to look as well. Um, they're probably going to get the week off after the Real Salt Lake game. So that whole week, July 10th through July 16th, is probably off. They probably don't do any training. Or if they do, it's all optional. Then... The next week, again, no game at the at either end of the next week, the, the one starting July 17th. The next week, probably light training. They may have two or three days of training, but it's certainly not going to be heavy. They're going to give these guys some rest and some relaxation. It's that next week where everything kicks back up. So if, if Zlatan isn't back by around you know June 25th, he starts impacting some of those training days leading up to that San Jose Earthquakes game. Again, that game will not be played at the Via Stadium. Uh, against San Jose. It'll be played at Stanford Stadium because uh, uh, San Jose is scared to have the Galaxy at Avaya. And they see them as a cash cow, of course, which they'll make about 60,000, uh, or have about 60,000 fans at that uh, Stanford Stadium one with fireworks and all that stuff. They sort of do that. It is kind of funny, though. The Galaxy usually play the San Jose Earthquakes around that time, if you're if you're paying attention. It's almost always around that time, just before July 4th. So San Jose, if you if you if you are a believer of this, isn't good enough to get the July Fourth game. They have to settle for the game that's like four days before, and they have to play the LA Galaxy. It's like one of those things. And the Galaxy obviously have played a July Fourth game every year in their existence. Uh, another little update on Zlatan. There, he's not going to be on TV. He's not going to be a commentator. I know that was sort of talked about earlier this year, or earlier this week, or at least according to him, he says. And let's read some quotes from him. Um, Let's see. Uh, Sweden said uh, the Swedish uh, sporting director Lars Richt. He says uh, that he talked to Zlatan, Zlatan on Thursday. I said Zlatan. Somebody shoot me uh, on on Thursday. Uh, and he says uh, he said I talked to Zlatan on Tuesday. He announced he did not change his mind about the national team. It is a no. So uh, so Zlatan's not going there. And then he talks about this is Zlatan talking about the World Cup. He says the World Cup. Yes, I am going. That is what I've been saying all the time. What did I say to Kimmel? I was going to the World Cup. I'm going, I have a plane, and I'm flying. Uh, he, <laughs> when asked if he does television, he says, I don't do those things. I feel when ex-players do those things, they need attention. I don't need that. He also, he, and he also wouldn't say if he was going to miss any games without the gal- uh, with the Galaxy, saying, I cannot tell you that. It's between me and the Galaxy. I'm not giving opponents this advantage if I play or not. This is tactical. So Zlatan playing a little mind games like normal. Uh, and it very well could be that he misses... Zero games, which, again, let that sit in. Zlatan away for zero games isn't nearly as bad as everybody's panicking like he's going to miss all these games. Again, if he stayed for the entire World Cup, he'd miss four games. I don't think he's staying for the entire World Cup. I'll be honest. I think group stage is there, maybe a little bit into the round of 16, so maybe he misses one game, um, maybe two games tops, but I think that's probably going to be it. And I don't know if you guys noticed this about him, but he's kind of a competitor. He kind of likes to play games, and him watching the World Cup probably isn't as much fun as him going to the World Cup. So that's that's one of those things that you sort of you get to watch, you get to keep an eye on, and I think it'll be interesting to see how he interacts with the World Cup and everything else. All right, uh, let's see. I'm trying to see in the chat room. I see everybody um, saying hi and, and doing all that. If you guys have any questions in the chat room, feel free, feel free to throw those at me again, a solo show for me tonight. Uh, but again, we'll be joined by Mark Fishkin coming up here in a little bit. Uh, okay. Something I noticed last night, I don't know if any of you were watching the CCL, um, the CONCACAF champions league, you had Toronto FC going against Chivas. It was the second leg, um, after Toronto had unfortunately, uh, not done a great job in Toronto and, and lost two one, but 
made a remarkable comeback in order to to tie everything up and, and down in uh, in Chivas and and faced off against Chivas and everything went it went down to penalty kicks. So you had the first MLS team on the verge of possibly winning. Um, you know, the, uh, the, the CONCACAF Champions League, Toronto build is the best team ever, all these things. That's great, and that's fine. But here's how it goes. Um, Michael Bradley eventually had to take a PK, and this is where my mind was thinking. So I, I, I was watching, you see, um, I, I think maybe Marky Delgado also hit one off the crossbar uh, for Toronto. So they were already behind. Michael Bradley needed to make one in order to extend things. So Michael Bradley goes up there. I don't know. For me, I felt like Michael Bradley has ice in his veins and that he would do this, but there was just something crazy about all this, all these things that, that happen. And, and you look at it, and, and Bradley sends his penalty kick shot over the sailing over the crossbar. Uh, might not have landed yet. It had a lot of pace on it, and it, and it goes away. Um, so I got there, and as soon as he hit it over the crossbar, I got this, this feeling in my heart, all right, because... Uh, it brought up a very painful memory, but it was a memory that, again, I've shared with you on this show many times, but it was a memory that shaped really my path in following the galaxy and doing all these things. So I sort of wanted to ask you, you know, what memories you have about the galaxy, because here's my memory. Landon Donovan, 2009 MLS Cup. Uh, it's in Seattle playing against Real Salt Lake. Remember, 2008 was a horrible year. 2009, Bruce Arena comes in at the end of 2008. Rebuilds the roster, puts some things together, um, and the LA Galaxy go on sort of a, uh, a an unlikely march to, to MLS Cup against Real Salt Lake. And they were the favorites against RSL whenever they got there. Um, this was all all good stuff. Donovan Ricketts ends up getting hurt. Uh, Josh Saunders, excuse me, has to come in. All these things happen in the game. Uh, it goes 1-1 basically through, uh, through extra time. It goes into penalty kicks. Um, everything sort of gets played out. Landon Donovan goes up, and uh, he sails once over the crossbar into the uh, Seattle Sounders fans who are there not watching their team play uh, in a cup. So it was a painful memory. It was. Um, but at the same time, I know there's memories out there, and I, whenever I put this out on Twitter, there were tons of people who came out and said, oh, my God, yeah, I remember that. I remember I was there, um, and you know, I, I, one of my one of the our listeners, Mark, Mark says, yeah, he goes, I had driven all the way from Los Angeles to Seattle after uh, a team I was coaching uh, had just got knocked out of the semifinals in like a championship. So he goes, I'm already in a bad mood. I drive straight through from LA to Seattle, which is about um, a seven day drive, if I'm correct, about about that much. It's very long. It's very long drive. Um, so he gets there and he watches the game, and I was in the stadium for that game uh, in 2009. So I was there as well. Um, and he says, and then that happened and it, and it, it goes all sideways and, and it's horrible. And I've always said that my favorite year that I've ever had watching the galaxy was in 2009 because it was just, it was unexpected and it was new and you, you, all of a sudden you're in an MLS cup and it's freezing and you're in Seattle and it's threatening to rain, but it doesn't rain, but it rained the whole day and you're there and you watch that game and the galaxy should have won that game. That's one of those games you look back and say they should have won that game. RSL wasn't as good as the galaxy were and RSL was good at that time. Let's not, you know, they, they deserve to win, but at the same time, when you look at the galaxy, they were the better team. So that's one of the stories that that we had, but I want to hear your stories about what made you a fan because people are saying that cemented me as a fan because the heartbreak was there and then if you look at 2010 with the LA Galaxy going and, and getting a supporter shield and then getting knocked out to FC Dallas, um, again, another sort of blow. And you're like, wait a minute, the Galaxy were the best team all season. They should have had more. Um, so, so that, and then you get to, you know, the euphoria of the Cups in 2011 and 2012. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's sort of things. But I know there's memories out there. I mean, some people have, you know, a bicycle kick by Chris Klein being that 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 moment that cemented their fanhood. Some people have walking into the Rose Bowl in, in 1996 as their, as their, their main memory. But I, I think it's interesting that when you talk and you share these memories, first of all, people are like, it's too soon, man. And then I'm like, okay, it happened like, you know, nine years ago. We can, we can all, we can all hang out there for a little bit. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so, you know, you, you, you can do that stuff, but again, if there's memories, I'd love to hear them. So you can send them in on Twitter, um, at galaxy podcast, or so you can email them in corner of the galaxy at gmail.com. Uh, either of those work, or you can call me up on the phone, nine four nine seven three four four two one seven. Um, if you want to go ahead and, and get that in, but again, think about some of the memories that you have as an LA galaxy fan and think about how lucky you are just to have most of those memories. Cause there's, you know, just in my short lifetime of covering the LA galaxy, I've seen them lift 
three MLS Cups. I've been in the locker room for two celebrations. Um, I've had champagne poured on me in, in two celebrations. I have corks from those celebrations that are some of, you know, all the stuff that you see in the studio. That stuff is some of my most prized stuff. So, I mean, you know, it's that type of stuff, that t- those types of memories um, that are going on uh, whenever you're ahead. Uh, let's see. Somebody in the Wicked uh, in, the, in the chat says, I've been a fan since 1996 when I was 10 years old. Kobe Jones, Cienfuegos, and then, of course, Jorge Campos. All right. Um, somebody said, uh, Diego says their most painful memory, of course, is whenever uh, Giovanni Dos Santos came to the LA Galaxy. Ouch. All right. Uh, 424. How's it going, Chris? How's it going, Josh? Hugh here. I, I, I got you. What, what, can we, what can we do for you, sir? Perfect. I was, I was going to recall when I became a Galaxy fan. Right. I was six years old, 1996. I was probably too young to fully understand the sport, but I have Salvadorian family, Mexican family, and Mauricio Cienfuegos, one of the greatest Salvadorian soccer players of all time. The guy's a national treasure. Right. And, I mean, we had some Mexican superstars at that time, you know, 96, 97. Um we had Campos at goal. You know, at some point we had um, the original Hernandez, El Matador. So it was perfect. My family was so into the Galaxy. We finally had a local soccer team that we could support. Kobe Jones was there. We quickly became national team fans. We were crazy about the Galaxy. Back in those days, you actually had to, like, buy a package with the soccer games, you know? Right. It wasn't like... It wasn't like it is now where you could have it on TV, you know, in like three different channels, ESPN, Fox Sports. You had had to order a package from your direct TV or dish, whatever you had at the time. No streaming. That's that's crazy, though. Like whenever you think about how far we've sort of come in in all this, right? I mean, because now we complain whenever, you know, they just switched over to ESPN Plus and I'm in a tissy because I have to... I have to get a different account in order to do stuff, and it's not my normal way of watching games. But I mean, before it was it was the wild west of soccer days. There were shootouts. All right, remember the penalty shootouts if there was a tie. Yeah, yeah people don't remember that. You actually had to like run up to the goalie, and you had guys trying to do these dribbles and trying to trick the goalie to go one way. Great times, amazing memories. Some of the greatest memories I have of my early childhood were with the Galaxy. You know, the old Rogel days. Uh, yeah. Good time, man. That's awesome. Thing awesome. I wanted to share and. No, no, no. We we appreciate it. So so thanks. You're going to be out there on Saturday, I, I imagine. I'm actually moving apartments, so I'm not going to be there. But I'm going to watch the game on TV as I'm packing and unpacking stuff. So. All, right, all right. Well, don't throw anything against the wall if the galaxy go down early. All right. That seems to be their mo. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate the call. All right, that's a, that's a good call. If you, have, if you want to share your Galaxy memories, we can do that as well. I, I, I always wanted to do a show where you call in and tell me what your best memories are, or you know, you, you email them in and we can talk about them some more. Because, again, we get locked into like single seasons and little moments and thinking it's the worst thing in the world. And, of course, I'm going to have some bad news for you coming up here in a little bit about injuries. So I, wanted, I want to get some happy things, too. I mean, you can talk about... I, I mean, I shared the 2009, which for some people is too painful. I'll tell you, my buddy has the best story about that, and and I'll share his story. And he doesn't he doesn't get to share it anymore. It's it's basically my story now. Um, we flew up to Seattle together from Los Angeles. Uh, then on the way back, we took different flights because he was he was a member of uh, of Delta, and he was gonna I was gonna fly Alaska back down. So we we've split up. We did different flights. Well, so the Galaxy end up losing that game, and he gets on a Delta flight the next day. And, of course, the Galaxy were playing Real Salt Lake, and he had to go through Salt Lake City. And so he flew back on a plane full of RSL supporters with their scarves and chanting about how they won the MLS Cup. And he's sitting there, and he's got his hoodie on, and he goes, all I did was put my hoodie on, closed up the strings, and tried to sleep for the... And he goes, and it was just... It was the worst flight ever. So anyway, that's just... That's my favorite. I, I think that's the best story every, every time. So Golden Go... People are saying, bring back Golden Goal, all right? Fox Soccer Channel, right? I mean, come on. I'm, I'm not even that old covering soccer, and there's... I feel like it's light years from what it was back then. All right, let's go on a little bit more about the Galaxy. Uh, There have been some rumors circulating. There's a couple different rumors circulating. 
Uh, one, that Siggy Schmidt was on his way out. Uh, that was a rumor that had circulated uh, last week. Uh, and the other thing that had been circulating was that perhaps uh, LA Galaxy's Ima Boateng was going to Seattle. Lots of people talking about that. It was uh, written about in uh, MLSsoccer.com. So I will, I will t- attempt to address both of these. Um, I will tell you that in both of these instances, I can't find any reason to hold them up and say that these are credible rumors. Um, I certainly think that if you're looking at Ima Boateng, that there are people who are interested in him. Okay, I don't think his start to the season has been very good. And last week, despite the fact that I was told by the team that he was uh, out for a coach's decision, he actually had an injury. Um, so it was a, it was a ligament strain uh, in his knee, and he looks like he's available and ready. He's been training this week, so that's good. Minor little thing. So anyway, Ima's back. Uh, at least that's what they're telling us, and that's how it is. I mean, if you really want to play conspiracy theory, is he didn't play last week because they were going to trade him, and then that trade didn't go through, and now he's back. If that's the conspiracy theory. Uh, hold on, we got another call here, so let's go to uh, uh, three two three. Who's this? Uh, hey, Gusman, this is uh, David. Hey, how's it going, David? What's up, buddy? Uh, I just want to call in and say, uh, like what really got me into yeah. following the guys. Yeah. What, what, what did you so, have? Um, what was your, 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 your Eureka moment? <clears throat> All right. So, uh, you know, me, I'm only 16, you know, so I'm still, I'm still pretty young. Um, you know, but my brother, he's, he's older than me. He's, uh, you know, he, uh, he's been a pretty big follower of the team. Right. You know, as long as I can remember. So, uh, you know, I've always, I've always grown up around Galaxy, you know. I've known about them, you know, followed them here and there. I've never really been, like, super, super big fan. Yep. <laughs> but uh, the first real, real memory of, like, really watching a game, trying to pay attention, and, you know, really following the team was the 2014 World, uh, MLS Cup. Right. Uh, and I just remember watching it, you know, with my family. And, you know, I was, you know for me, being, like, somewhat on and off kind of follower, I guess, uh, really watching that game, you know, and having them win, it, it just made, you know, the perfect time to start following. Yeah. You know, now that I look back on it, now, you know, after it might have not been the perfect time to start following, but, you know, you, you, having that be you, the first real game was definitely interesting. Yeah, you caught the end of the, of the dynasty there. Uh, and unfortunate yeah, for you. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it is, I'll tell you this. Um, you know, that's one of my, I have a really strong feelings about that game as well, uh, just from covering it and one from being in the locker room after the game and talking to some of the guys who were really happy to sort of, you know, get another one after 2013 and the disappointment in 2013, 2014 was good. But my favorite story is, da- is talking to Dave Sarakin. And I know I've talked, told the story with Dave whenever he's been on it. Um, but associate head coach Dave Sarakin told me, uh, I ran into him in a bar and we were eating tacos together. It was one of my favorite memories because Dave is a great guy. So we're eating tacos and we talk about the 2014 MLS Cup. And he goes, you know, he goes, I always knew we were going to win that game. He goes, but whenever Omar didn't chase that ball into the corner, and I'm going to use most of my words on this, whenever Omar didn't chase the ball into the corner and got a little lazy, uh, and New England came back yeah, and, scored, yeah. and scored that goal and made it 1-1, he goes, that was the first time that... I allowed myself for a second to think that we wouldn't win the game. He goes, and then when it went to extra time, whenever it goes into the after, you know, you, you have this thing. He goes, we, I knew we were going to win because I knew Robbie Keane was going to score a goal. And those, like, those are the things that afterwards you talk to these guys and it's just like, oh, you just knew everybody. And you know what? If you talk to Galaxy players, they knew Robbie Keane was going to score a goal too. It's not, it wasn't like this thing. They were just like, oh yeah, we know, we know Robbie, Robbie Keane's going to score a goal. Uh, Alexi Lalas has said the same thing about, about Mauricio Cienfuegos. He goes, Whenever he was out there, you knew that you were going to get a goal. And so he goes, you knew you were already playing ahead. So it was one of those things. It was like, oh, okay, yeah, we're going to get a goal. No problems. We got it. You know? So, uh, yeah, no, that's great stuff. David, I appreciate the call. Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, no, that's it. I'm good. Awesome, buddy. Thanks for calling. We appreciate it. Thanks All for right. listening. All right. That was a great call. See, that was good. See, we're see, we're getting the good vibes here a little bit before I just crush all your dreams and hopes. Um. So anyway, to, to Boateng. I'll tell you right now, Boateng... You know, again, the conspiracy theory is that he sat out because they were going to trade him and blah, 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 blah. Okay, that's the conspiracy theory. I don't think there's much to it. I haven't heard anything. Not that I hear everything all the time, but they have to be pretty quiet in order to get by me uh, anymore. So, you know, this could be something. He has not had the best start with the Galaxy. I think that he's shown that he is one-dimensional player, um, that really he's all speed. And that's great. And I think if they could use him in the proper spot, which would be off the bench as a sub to come in against tired legs, I think they could open up offense. I really do. Um, but I don't think that he is somebody I certainly that you certainly need to keep. Um, so if they had a, a good deal to, to send them and, and do some things, then yeah, 
yeah, maybe that's maybe that's where Ima Boateng could go. But I'll tell you, with all the injuries they continue to pick up, it's like Ima's probably going to start, you know, on Saturday. So, um, so uh, also in the chat room, uh, Diego says uh, the best memory is when they remember remember about Pato to the galaxy. Yeah, there's go. So that's how you get blocked in the chat room. I should really bring that back. I know we're we're sort of building on the po- on the panda and Pato in the morning on the Monday show, but. Ease up on the Pato stuff. I can only handle about this. Yeah, I'm going to get him on the show, I think. maybe He seems like he's... I think that's what I should do. I should just get him on the show. We can talk this out and have a good time, and we can figure out whether or not he's actually coming to the galaxy. That's what I should do. I should be accused of tampering. That's what I want to do. Um, so anyway, so Imo Boateng. Again, with Siggy Schmidt on his way out. Um, no, I mean, we're just not hearing anything. So, you know, could these things eventually be true? Yeah. Um, do the uh, do the Fox Deportes guys get credit for calling Zlatan to the LA Galaxy like two and a half years ago? No, because it's like they're coming. All this stuff is happening. No, it's going to happen. It'll 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 get there. But for me, uh, the Galaxy aren't looking to trade Ima Boateng. And if they do, if they, they will entertain offers, as you should if you're the Galaxy. You should look to move some pieces. You have too many midfielders. Is Ima Boateng that valuable, though, that you could have it? Yeah. I mean, maybe for Seattle it is. I guarantee if he goes to Seattle, he scores a goal in the LA Galaxy. I can tell you that right now. That's easy. Uh, but again, so that's sort of where we sit on uh, on all that stuff. So uh, we'll see. All right. We got a, we got another call. Good. This is See, we're starting to kick off now. Now we're having some fun. All right. Uh, 323, who's this? Hello? Yeah. Who, who's this? Yeah, it's John. Hey, John. Thanks for calling in, buddy. What do you got? Hey, you guys are still talking about uh, the the first time you be you guys became like hardcore Galaxy fan? Or yeah, like yeah, yeah. Of course, we can we can always talk about it. So, what's your what's your memory? What is it? Uh, actually, uh, I thought actually it's funny because I saw this on your Twitter today. You said the two thousand nine, yep, uh, final. Yep, that game did it for me. For some reason, I don't know. I was always a casual fan up until that day. Right. And then I saw that game and it just made me I don't know, something happened and then I just had to had to follow up with the team way more. Yeah, yeah, the soccer gods reached into your soul and told you that this would be your lifelong obsession from uh, from there on out. I, I feel but what is it about and you're not the only one, I'm not the only one. There's more of us out there who see that 2009 game as the game that like slapped them and said you're going to be a soccer fan for the rest of your life and you're going to annoy your future spouses uh, with the amount of soccer talk that you talk about. Um, you're probably going to start your own podcast and do your own stuff to the point of an annoyment of everybody else. What is it about the losses, though? Why was 2009 for you? Why do you think it was that it slapped you across the face and said, I have to be a Galaxy fan? I think it's just the way, like, seeing the team kind of, the way they, they, they reacted, because I remember seeing people crying after that, and and for some reason that just stuck with me, you know? Like, yeah, is, is this a good, is, I don't know, is this a memory seeing them kind of, if I remember correctly, uh, well, yeah, for sure, Donovan missed that last one, and then I believe his name is Russell scored the RSL one. Yep, yeah, I think um, I think you might be right. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, it, it was crazy. They, which is, it was a weird sort of, um, it was a weird sort of stadium if you were there too, because you remember it's all Seattle fans for the most part, and then there's yeah. like a smattering of Galaxy fans and a sm- smattering of U- of RSL fans, but they're mostly Seattle fans, and they probably don't even care. But Donovan misses it, and like the energy just went out of that whole stadium. It was done. Yeah, I was I was in I was lucky enough to be there. Well, uh, maybe th- not lucky, but <laughs> no, no, no. If you were there, you would have remembered. Also, John, <laughs> I appreciate the call, man. Anything else you got? All right, for sure. Just keep it on, man. Good work, like always. Thanks, appreciate it. All right, there we go. There's John. That's another good call. Again, like there's something about the losses that make it. You don't hear anybody saying, "Oh man, that 2011 season really." I mean, we had the 2014 MLS Cup, yeah. And I'm sure there's people who were 2011 fans and 2012 fans, and I mean, there's a euphoria there. But it's the roller coaster ride that you get. It's the highs and the lows, and you can't understand the highest high unless you have that lowest low. I hate to get all f- philosophical and like you know on you, but that's that's what it is. It's the range and and it's the breadth of emotion that you get from watching soccer. Um, you know, some people have said actually, I'm not even going to say what some people have said about soccer, but it's there's certainly a build up and there's certainly a release whenever you score a goal. Let's just put it that way. Um, so it's a it's a very emotional thing that you feel. All right, back to the LA Galaxy here. Uh, we talked about Ima Boateng. We talked about Siggy Schmidt. Again, don't think they're going anywhere. Um, so as we as we look at this, let's get an injury update from everybody. We obviously know that Jonathan Dos Santos, uh, who pulled up in pregame warmups before the Atlanta United loss, there um, is going to be out for this game 
So still not recovered, still not back, still not ready to go. Siggy Schmidt reported that today. Uh, if you go on uh, cornerofthegalaxy.com, you can see our Ga- LA Galaxy notebook by uh, Larry Morgan. Larry does a great job for us in covering, and uh, Larry broke some news there as well that I'm going to share with you here again in just a little bit. You also have uh, Ima Boateng, who we've talked about the knee ligament, and he seems like he's fine. Bradford Jameson will be available for selection this Saturday should Siggy Schmidt choose to put him on the bench. Don't know if he makes it this time. Uh, I've been hearing that he will uh, he will probably get some LA Galaxy two time before he gets uh, senior team minutes. But nonetheless, that's great news for for Bradford Jamison and and seeing how we do. All right, uh, let's go now to the injury news you didn't want, the one that you didn't want to know, which you probably already know because you probably already read all of our stuff that we put out there. But if you didn't, uh, Rolf Felcher, as reported by Corner of the Galaxy, breaking news: um, Larry Morgan reports that a Galaxy source has told him that. Uh, Rolf Felcher has a torn right pectoral muscle, and he sustained that injury whenever he fell on a ball in training. So, yeah, there's that good luck the Galaxy have again. Uh, And uh, the source also claiming that he could be out a couple of months. I mean, listen, I'm going to say right now, it's probably about two to four months whenever you look at Rolf Felcher and how long he could be out. So, um, that's at least what we're reporting right now. The Galaxy uh, and Siggy Schmidt talked today, and Siggy Schmidt saying that uh, they still had, uh, they were still awaiting tests and wanted to come back for it, and you know all this other stuff that you know he sort of wanted to talk about, without saying that Felcher was uh, was injured. Uh, his exact words were, "We're still waiting for final confirmation as to what exactly will happen or can happen with his injury." Um, so that is, that is Siggy Schmidt talking about it again. The galaxy have not confirmed that, um, but that's what we're reporting right now. And from a very good source. So, uh, that's where you get Rolf Felcher being out for this game and out for the foreseeable future. His possible replacements, Dave Romney can play on the right-hand side. Emra Clementa is the direct right back backup. Um, and then of course you have Thomas Hilliard Arce, uh, uh, who has been playing down with LA Galaxy too. So Hilliard Arce could also possibly be in there. Again, a center back more than anything. Dave Romney, a left back center back. Um, and then Emmer Clementa is the direct right back replacement. But we haven't seen a bunch of Clementa since basically the preseason. Uh, and I'm, I'm more excited to see if maybe they do throw him in. If you're going to play the simple way, if you're going to play the simple way, you put in Clementa and then you don't have to change a whole bunch of things and you don't have to change formations. Most of y'all think that the simple way is not a way that you want to do it. And okay, so we can we can play that game as well. Everybody's calling for the 3-5-2. Please, Josh, why doesn't Siggy play the 3-5-2? I'm smarter than Siggy. I know it's the 3-5-2. Just play the... Fi- Listen, we have more midfielders, so put more midfielders in there. The 4-4-2 is so old and boring and nobody plays it anymore and it's useless. And the 4-4-2 never worked. It's just people were too stupid playing soccer for 200 years to be able to figure out whether or not, you know, the 442 was any good. I may have been exaggerating on some of those things, but anyway, you get it. So 352 is a is a formation the Galaxy have used before. They used it in Vancouver. You remember that's when they had nobody available and you had guys like Shelvick, you had Hilliard Arce and you had Steris playing in three center back positions, which in my opinion, if you're going to have a three man back line, you better have three center backs. All right, because there's you're not going to be out covering the wings on this. This is not about spreading that out. You have to stay compact and linked together, and center backs are better for that. You're not looking to get forward. Now, in this particular case against Vancouver, we had wing back positions of Rolf Felcher on the right hand side and Dave Romney. Again, if you know what those guys' primary positions are, they're defenders. Okay, so the defenders were it was basically a link between the defenders and the midfield, and they did a lot of running. In fact, I think Dave Romney told me after about 25 minutes he was spent. Of, of doing that. So, Ashley Cole was suspended for that game. Okay, so again, if you're going to play three in the back, go ahead and do it. Play three in the back, but if you're going to do it, play three center backs. So if you move three center backs in there, then you can say goodbye to Ashley Cole, your captain, because he's not starting anymore, and that sounds like a bad idea. Um, but hey, you're you're the coach. You're smarter than Siggy. Now, then I get yelled at for this. We'll just start Cole's one of the as one of the one of the backs there. Okay, so put Ashley Cole as one of the center backs that you have. You could do that. You have Shelvick, and then you have what Romney, Steris, Hilliard, Arce, whoever you want on that right hand side. You still playing quote unquote three center backs. Just Ashley Cole's going to play one of those. Okay, in Vancouver they used this very well because they had five defenders. Okay. Now, with Jonathan Dos Santos not playing, this actually gets easier, by the way. What you can do if you wanted to play the 3-5-2 is you go Cole, Shelvick, Hilliard, Arce, and then you could go Kitchen and Carrasco in front of them. 
Okay, so play a two. It's almost like a three-two. Okay, but here's the deal. Kitchen and Carrasco, they're going to have to drop back. They're going to have to play a bunch of defense on the back line defense. All right, meaning that there will have to be probably four people back at all times. Um, and they're also going to have to cover some of the wing play that get in behind your two wingers. Because if you're going to play wingers, right now, in my mind, you're going to have Alessandrini on the right-hand side. You're going to have Sebastian Legett on the left-hand side. Sebastian Legett will play some defense. Roman Alessandrini doesn't know what the word defense means. And you don't pay him to play defense. You pay him to score goals. So that's fine. But Carrasco is going to have to cover that side with Steres or Romney or Hilliard Arce and help with that Alessandrini side. So you're almost pinning him back. Okay, again, I hope everybody's understanding this, but I, I want you to understand what you're asking for when you go 3-5-2. You say, Josh, but if you don't put Legette up in a number 10 role, which everybody wants, who will you put in the 10 role? And Josh will answer you Giovanni Dos Santos because he's actually the one who's most uh, willing or most able to play that. And you don't want Giovanni Dos Santos on the wing because Giovanni Dos Santos doesn't know how to play defense. Okay, there we go. So now we have a three of Cole, Shelvick, Hilliard Arce, Romney, Stairs, whoever you want to put in there. Kitchen and Carrasco is sort of your defensive mids, and then you go Legette, Giovanni Dos Santos, and Alessandrini, and then it's uh, Ibra and Kamara up top and Azure 2, and those teams need to seesaw back and forth, where almost at all times they're playing a one and a one. Somebody will be above and somebody will be below. I would like it if Ibra is underneath and Kamara is more to the top, stretching, um, and seeing if they can get in behind the New York Red Bull defense. So if you're going to play a 3-5-2, that's what I would do. I will tell you there's some real shortcomings in this. One is the amount of work that Ashley Cole will have to do in that in that back three um, and how much you're going to put on. Granted, the guy just continues to tick like a clock, and there seems to be nothing wrong with him. So you can choose to do that, or you can put a center back back there, and Ashley Cole sits on the bench, and maybe you bring him in as a, as a defensive sub. Uh, here's the thing is that you have Bradley Wright Phillips going up against the LA Galaxy and BWP knows how to exploit a three-man back line pretty much probably better than anybody else. So you're going to have your hands full there. Shelvick, <coughs> excuse me, Shelvick and Cole and whoever else you're, you're trying to put over there are really going to have to keep an eye on them. Uh, and plus... New York is a go forward, uh, you know, all the time, gas gas down, pedal going forward. So you're going to need a lot of defense. So that's why you put in the defensive midfielders there. Again, if Jonathan Dos Santos is in this lineup, you probably can't play a 3-5-2 because uh, Jonathan's going to get forward, whereas Carrasco and Kitchen really do need to sit back and almost make it a back five instead of a back three. Um, New York has had some trouble breaking down some people as well, so maybe that makes some sense. But that's what you have to do for a 3-5-2. But understand the shortcomings of this. Against Vancouver, the reason it worked is because there were five defenders back there. So if you're building a 3-5-2, in my opinion, you better have five defenders on there. And Kitchen and Carrasco are going to have to be your two other defenders on that. And that makes it not narrow at all, or excuse me, extremely narrow in the center of the pitch and not necessarily able to cover wide like you did with the wingbacks with Romney and Felcher. They were able to cover wide areas and work their way in and then go forward from there. Um, so uh, again, this is a, a little modification on that, and this is as defensive as I can make this lineup without being in trouble. Most of y'all want to throw all your midfielders, all your attacking midfielders into that into that midfield, and then you're going to have three defenders back there, and you're going to complain about the defense. Um, so again, keep that in mind for the three-five-two. I actually think that Siggy could play an option like this. Uh, could go three backs. Now is the time to do it. They know well in advance who they're not going to have and who they are going to have. <coughs> So now we'll just see uh, whether or not they do it. And they could still go with a 4-4-2 as well because that still sets up pretty well for what they're trying to do as well with Kitchen and Carrasco still doing a double pivot. You could have uh, you could have Legette out on one side. You could have, actually, excuse me, you could have Giovanni Dos Santos on one side and Alessandrini on the opposite side. Uh, maybe Legette is a substitute. But again, it gets a little more difficult to put some really good players on the field in a 4-4-2 right now without Jonathan Dos Santos. And you saw what happened when the Galaxy didn't have a number 10 that last um, game. All right. They, they, there was a giant hole in the middle of the field where Baggio Husidic was supposed to be. And that's just not Baggio's game. And we're certainly not going to blame him for that. Um, or at least I'm not too. You guys seem to blame everybody for everything. So I'm sure you'll blame me for that. Um, here we go. Let's, uh, let's see where else we're at. We got about 20 minutes left. So I think it's probably about time that we, uh, we take a little break and we go ahead and, uh, and get and talking to uh, Mr. Mark Fishkin. So uh, what we'll do is we'll take a quick break. Whenever we get back, Seeing Red's Mark Fishkin will help us preview the New York Red Bulls coming to StubHub Center on Saturday at 7.30 p.m. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. 
struggles like an open mouth without a voice so here's to you and i canary down the mine it's all this was a warning sign a warning sign ready for some more corner of the galaxy don't forget to head over to the website for all the latest podcasts news and more visit us online at cornerofthegalaxy.com Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Corner of the Galaxy, cornerofthegalaxy.com. Josh with you once again, getting you ready for the Saturday matchup, 7.30 p.m. kickoff against the New York Red Bulls at StubHub Center, the LA Galaxy, looking to get a final three points before they head on the road for three consecutive and to help us break down this game, a man who I love to talk to, and it only happens once a year unless, uh, of course, the two teams meet in the MLS Cup or or some other cup uh, final for sure. But uh, please welcome back to the show the man who is the host of the Seeing Red podcast, Mr. Mark Fishkin. Mark, thanks for stopping by, buddy. Appreciate it. It's absolutely my pleasure. Let's go. All right. Um, New York, uh, a little bit of enigma so far here in the uh, in the early goings of uh, 2018, and I would say the same for the LA Galaxy. Uh, difficult probably to figure out both of these teams. I've, I've seen the home wins. Uh, I saw last week's game, which I watched, which was uh, a game where I- I'm still trying to scratch my head and figure out how how New York didn't win the, the game against uh, <laughs> sh- the Chicago Fire. I uh, outshot him, what, 22 to four, I believe is is what it was. What What's going on with New York so far early in this season? Yeah, well, you know, we, we talk about early in the season and we, we have to, of course, add that in addition to the six MLS matches they've played, they've also played six CONCACAF Champions League matches, advancing to the semifinals where they fell uh, to Chivas de Guadalajara, one nothing. The last leg was very, very similar to what we saw um, at Red Bull Arena this past weekend, which is a team, um, you know, perhaps getting an early goal, but just bunkering and leaving New York completely stymied about what to do. Keep in mind that this team has scored; um, they've, they've scored four goals um, once. They've scored three goals three times. So this is a team that has a ton of offensive firepower unless a team is just going to sit back and dare them to, to break through um, a, a crowded box. And, and heretofore, they just haven't been able to figure it out. On the defensive end, I think things in general have been in really well. Their last two games, they allowed uh, one penalty kick goal, one unbelievable free kick goal from, from Montreal, and then a goal of the week candidate last week by Katai off a rebound to the top of the arc and an absolute laser from the fire player into the top corner. So you can argue that, that Robles really hasn't been to blame for any of the last three goals that he's conceded. And yet uh, there seems to be a little bit of a Champions League hangover still. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at it, you get nine points through six games. Um, it doesn't sound like a great record, and it doesn't look great either on paper, but I have to admit that you you tend to seem... I would imagine that New York fans have more confidence in this team than what they've seen so far. Yeah, because, uh, you know, they, they've already pummeled Portland 4-0, and they, they totally uh, took it to Minnesota 3-0, and they beat Montreal 3-1. Um, but, you know, I think the question is, in a, in an MLS East where City and Atlanta and you know once Toronto gets rid of this competition they they will be at the top of the East for sure the question is where does New York fit are are they simply an also ran that'll be happy to reach the conference semifinals for the ninth or tenth year in a row and then depart or does this team can they gel and really return to the days where they were an elite team in the league and really make this a 1% derby once again. Yeah, it, it would be nice to see uh, see these both teams rise to the top again because I think that's fun to see. And I like having an East Coast, West Coast uh, teams both vying for something. I mean, talk a little bit about, again, going out in the playoffs in, in 2017, um, a team that has has really struggled to have success in the postseason. But what was done in this offseason to make this team better? Yeah, I think that, well, there, there are two things in particular. One was that Sasha Kleschen uh, was moved. He, he's the only guy to lead the league in assists in two consecutive years. And yet, um, th- from an attacking standpoint, the Red Bulls really uh, began to simply lean on Kleschen to create everything for them. And because of that, the offense at times... Um, this last season was really kind of stagnant because literally 
everyone would turn to Sasha and say, okay, do it, make a, make a opportunity happen now. Um, what's happening now is not only have they continued to pull players like Florian Velo and Vincent Vezicourt out of their uh, USL team, right? That's where Aaron Long came the year before that, right. for my money, is a really unsung uh, defensive star in this league. They went out, they splashed the cash, and they bought Argentine attacking midfielder uh, Kaku Gamara from Huracan in Argentina. And not that the um, Gonzalo Verón experiment ended well for New York. It certainly didn't because the player was a complete enigma um, and unable to find nail down a regular starting job. Uh, but Kaku's 23 years old. He's got a ton of flair. The question is, um, can he adequately learn uh, the press and the counter press well enough for Jesse to make him an everyday starter? And it hadn't happened yet. That This past week, the last two weeks, were really the only times that we've seen Kaku and Bradley Wright Phillips on the field at the same time. Right. And so his maturation there is going to be a big part of uh, New York's success. You know, you, you mentioned Bradley Wright Phillips. Uh, he seems to just uh, get better with age almost. I mean, the, the guy's just consistent, and he's almost, at least on the West Coast mark, it seems like he's quietly consistent. What have you seen so far from him uh, this season with, with New York, and is he still the goal-scoring threat that he has been over the last couple of years? Yeah, I mean, five goals so far in six league games, I would say absolutely he is. I mean, he's he's on pace to match his 27 goals, which is the all-time record uh, that he himself set back in 2014. Uh, he's a guy who's incredibly humble, incredibly hardworking. He comes uh, to work each day. He's a very unassuming guy. Um, but at the same time, you know, this season, he should pass the century mark in league goals he has 91 now. Uh, he's already done it in all competitions for the franchise. I think he's on 109. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he doesn't do it with a lot of flash. He doesn't do it necessarily with a, a big personality. He's kind of a quiet guy, but he goes about it and he gets it done. The one thing that will continue to bedevil um, Wright Phillips is his inability to convert in the playoffs and uh, or in playoff-like atmospheres. Um, so... It's it's been a real bugaboo for him, and I know it angers him significantly, um, frankly, uh, because he knows that's part of his legacy. But you know, as with this entire franchise, Josh, you know, they're 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 two two saucers and no cups uh, in the trophy case, despite being frankly uh, they're the best team in MLS. Uh, since 2010 at home, and they're among the top three or four in regular season play in MLS this decade. Uh, it just hasn't uh, translated into postseason success. Yeah, and if the Galaxy wouldn't have fallen completely off the table last year, you could name them as one of the better teams throughout that time period as well. These two teams have always had uh, good matchups. I go back to my second most exciting game ever because the most exciting game I think I've ever watched in my life was obviously uh, the 4-3 win for the LA Galaxy over LAFC earlier this year. But the second most exciting game I ever saw was a 1-1 <laughs> draw, Mark Fishkin. We talk about it all the time. Almost every time you have on here, Thierry Henry and Luke Rogers, Landon Donovan, David Beckham, all those stars in Los Angeles playing to a 1-1 draw, electric atmosphere, everything else. Um, what do you expect from this this game? Um, are you expecting that New York will be able to find space back behind the LA Galaxy? Um, you know, where where does Jesse march, and how does he go about this on the road? Yeah, um, Jesse knows how to play one way, and that is uh, balls to the wall, if you will. Um, you know, hard, high energy press and counter press. They they've spent more time in their opponents' third of the field than any other team in MLS through six weeks. Um, They're going to hold the ball. They're going to make it very, very difficult for L.A. to to work out. Uh, You know, long balls are an effective way to do it. For me, the X factor is going to be the ability of Danny Royer to put shots on frame and convert. Uh, Royer has the same number of shots, 13, that Bradley Wright Phillips does. The difference is that Wright Phillips has five goals and Royer has none. He's had two goals called back for offsides this season. He's hit the post a number of times. He's incredibly, incredibly frustrated. Um, He just needs to finally put the ball in the net, and then uh, another dimension uh, aspect of of Red Bull attack will come into play. Um, So, um, yeah, I mean, they're just going to run and try to pin L.A. back in their own half. 
uh, and generate turnovers that lead to scoring opportunities. That that is how they play. Well, and and I think Galaxy may actually allow them to do that as well, or at least they have sometime early in the season. The Galaxy haven't had a bunch of uh, uh, possession throughout a lot of their games. Granted, they have played the top three teams in the league, so maybe that also swings some of their possession numbers uh, a little wildly. Uh, any injury concerns heading in that maybe were picked up in Chicago or, or guys that might be expected to be coming back uh, headed into this L.A. game? No, I think you're you're going to see uh, pretty much a similar lineup that you saw against Chicago. The only difference is going to be what Jesse Marsh wants to do with Mark Shakovsky, who is on loan um, from Red Bull Salzburg this year. He is a, really a true – he's been playing as a defensive mid. Right. He put Sean Davis on the bench last week. We didn't see a lot of cohesion between Shakovsky and Kaku. Um, last week during the, the game against Chicago, and that created a gap in the midfield. Um, ordinarily, if Kaku's playing at the head of the midfield triangle, Tyler Adams and Sean Davis in the back, that's been a recipe for success. So that would really be the only choice. The other thing that he could do is perhaps um, pull Florian Velo off the field, uh, put Kaku on the right side, uh, put Sean Davis as the number 10, and then Shakovsky behind him with Adams. So, um, you know, we'll certainly see. They they definitely need a little bit more midfield cohesion. Um, and if we see that, you know, New York could be uh, could be in business. All right, Mark, then uh, go ahead and give us your prediction for this game. Can New York come out and get their first win on the road here in, uh, in 2018 against the LA Galaxy? Yeah, it's uh, it's a good question. New York hasn't won at StubHub since 2012, so it's – it's been a while, um, but still, I, I think they have the ability to do it. Um, a, a tie wouldn't surprise me, but a 2-1 win for New York would also not surprise me. Or, frankly, a one-goal loss. I, I think it's a real toss-up. Both of these teams are in transition and really figuring themselves out. I think it's just going to matter who's going to get the calls and who's going to get the breaks. Of course, Mark Fishkin, you can find him on the Seeing Red podcast. Mark and I have been doing this for a very long time, I think about nine years now, Mark, so it's always great. Uh, to talk to you, you do an excellent job out there on the East Coast, uh, and and I'm glad that you could stop by and uh, and give us a little update on your team. It's always a pleasure to talk, Josh, and uh, I'll speak to you soon. All right, sounds great. There goes Mr. Mark Fishkin. Whenever we get back, more LA Galaxy versus New York Red Bulls as we get you ready to countdown to kickoff on Saturday. 7.30 p.m. is when you can find the game. Should be a great game between the West Coast and the East Coast. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Recording from COG Studios and not their mom's basement, it's Corner of the Galaxy. Hello everybody, welcome back to Corner of the Galaxy, cornerofthegalaxy.com. Glad to have Mr. Mark Fishkin on the show. He's always great, great uh, little insight into the New York Red Bulls as well. I want to go quickly over before the end of our hour is up over some of the standings and then of course give you my thoughts on the New York Red Bull game as well. Uh, the LA Galaxy currently in fourth place in the Western Conference. 10 points, 3-3-1, three, three, uh, seven games played. Uh, they also have uh, a minus two goal differential right now. 2-2-0 two, two, and oh at home, 1-1-1 one, one, and one on the road. So uh, the LA Galaxy looking to improve their standings, obviously. Uh, they're in the West Western Conference. Uh, Sporting Kansas City still sits at the top of the Western Conference with 17 points. This LAFC with 12 points as LAFC gets ready to open up New Bank of California Stadium this weekend and actually play a home game. Uh, FC Dallas uh, is in third place, then it's the LA Galaxy, followed by Real Salt Lake, Vancouver Whitecaps, all tied with 10 points, by the way, with the LA Galaxy. So uh, just a little slip here, and you could easily find yourself below the red line for the playoffs. Uh, Houston Dynamo, Colorado Rapids, Portland Timbers, Minnesota United, San Jose Earthquakes, and the Seattle Sounders are in 12th place in the Western Conference. If you're looking at the Supporter Shield, it is Sporting Kansas City currently holding that top 
top spot. Uh, it's Sporting Kansas City, New York City, and Atlanta. United, FC, of course, all three teams the LA Galaxy have lost to this year. Uh, then it goes Orlando City, Los Angeles Football Club, FC Dallas, New England Revolution, Columbus Crew, LA Galaxy in ninth place. The very bottom of the league right now is Toronto FC as they focused on the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, if you're looking at the LA Galaxy schedule, this May, uh, we're getting through April. April's going to be done. Everything's done and dusted with this New York Red Bulls game. Then you go into May, a very busy May, as the Galaxy get ready to play a whole bunch of games before that World Cup break. So you're going to go Saturday, uh, May 5th against the Houston Dynamo, Saturday, May 12th against FC Dallas. Uh, then you have May 21st against Montreal, three of those games away from StubHub Center. And finally, you hit the San Jose Earthquakes at home on May 25th, and you'll play Dallas again on May 30th, again, a hosted game at uh, StubHub Center uh, against FC Dallas. Then if you're going to start the very beginning of June, you have the Portland Timbers, of course, coming on June 2nd. Or excuse me, the Galaxy traveling up to Portland to play uh, Portland on June 2nd, and then they'll come back for June 9th, which is where everything sort of starts to take a break for the World Cup. The last game before the World Cup there, the LA Galaxy, of course, will face off and host Real Salt Lake on June 9th. Uh, another Saturday game. So the Galaxy getting ready for a long road trip. But before they do, they will host the New York Red Bulls on Saturday, April 28th, a 7.30 p.m. kickoff time. Uh, of course, this game is on Spectrum Sportsnet and Spectrum Deportes, but it's at home and you should have tickets and it's going to be another sellout. So get your tickets now. Uh, the LA Galaxy 3-3-1, 10.7 games played. New York Red Bulls 3-4-0, 9.7 games played. Uh, they're sixth in the Eastern Conference right now, and 12th in the Supporters Shield is the New York Red Bulls. Here's here's the crazy thing, and you heard Mark Fishkin uh, talk about it. Uh, they outshot the Chicago Fire 22 to four, 22 to four. They had possession of over 60 percent, and they lost that game two to one. So New York is underperforming a bit, and it certainly feels that way. And Jesse Marsh will have a bunch to prove. Uh, against the LA Galaxy and traveling all the way across the country in order to prove that. Um, so it's going to be a difficult task for the New York Red Bulls to come in. You are going to have no Jonathan Dos Santos, no Rolf Felcher. Everybody else should be available for the LA Galaxy, which is actually pretty healthy for them whenever you think about it. But Jonathan Dos Santos is going to be another big miss. They're hoping to have him back by the Houston game. Uh, we've already talked about formations and how they could possibly line up, but here's the big thing. The LA Galaxy have to stop giving up goals. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic said it after the last game, which was basically the game changes when you're chasing the game. You can't be chasing the game all the time. You can't continue to concede the first goal. The Galaxy have now conceded the first goal in four of their seven games that they have played. All right. And one of those games was a win. The rest of them, uh, you can guess how they turned out. Um, they weren't good. Those three losses. All right. So the Galaxy can't be playing from behind all the time. That's not that you want to see. So they need to score a goal. You see what happens in Chicago whenever the Galaxy score a goal. Get in, get in there, score a goal, do a whole bunch of things early. Then they can control the pace of the game. Then they don't have to chase the game. Chicago was chasing the game. Chicago was had to play out of their shell. So the Galaxy need to score the first goal in this game. And that's going to be tough. That's going to be very tough with guys like Bradley Wright Phillips and Kaku. Um, you know, and Royer, as, as Mark Fishkin was certainly pointing out. So it's a very difficult ask for the Galaxy, and you don't know who's going to be playing in defense. If it's Clementa, you can expect that they are going to be in the 4-4-2, and that would be the like-for-like -like switches everywhere. Um, we'd see what they do in the middle, whether Giovanni Dos Santos plays in the middle with Sebastian Legette out wide, or Giovanni Dos Santos plays, um, you know, sort of in the left. But Perry Kitchen is still going to be that guy who's going to be uh, your defensive uh, emergency defender there. Uh, playing in the midfield, he'll be dropping back and doing that stuff. So, again, uh, really want to see Ola Kamara get off the mark here and get a goal uh, because he's been working so hard and he has to change the way he plays with Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And I think those two are going to start figuring it out. Apparently, Ola's saying that, you know, he wanted he needs more training time with Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And Ibra, again, does not train every day. He trains most days, but he probably gets an extra day off more than everybody. And quite honestly, at 36 years old and with the Neely the way it is, he deserves an extra day off. So I'm certainly not going to begrudge him any of that time. So LA Galaxy against New York Red Bulls coming up 7.30 p.m. kickoff time at StubHub Center. I will be there. I look forward to seeing you. Remember, you can always catch up with me at halftime at the top of Section 108 at the bottom of the press box stairs. That's where you'll find me and everybody else. And I've heard a wonderful great things that uh, the, the Lion of Los Angeles t-shirts are in and people are starting to get them. So if you have that, love to see them out at the game on Saturday. If you have them, take pictures, send them in. We'd love to feature those as well on our Instagram or anything else. All right. 
I think that about does it for us. I don't think we have anything else to talk about. It's basically now just getting to the game and figuring out what the LA Galaxy can do against New York Red Bulls. Again, a big thanks to Mark Fishkin from Seeing Red Podcast uh, for coming on. Mark is a great friend and does a great job over there on the East Coast, and I'm glad that he could join us. And uh, it was a little home-and-home for us. I was on his podcast as well. So if you want to hear what I had to say about the LA Galaxy and you're not sick of hearing me talk already, go ahead on over and check out the Seeing Red Podcast. All right. Uh, for Mr. Mark Fishkin, I'm Josh Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Hope everybody has a wonderful, safe weekend. We will see you out at StubHub Center. Have a great one. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>